Welcome to the Dog Zone 9000. I'm TV's Sean Baby from the internet, and with me is the legendary cracked editor and handsome fellow Robert Brockway. I am honored to be here. I'm just, I'm such a big fan. I've always dreamed of this day. Of the Dog Zone? Yeah, of, of the Dog Zone, of your work, of my own work. Oh. I'm just, I'm honored. Yeah, to be you're here. the best. Yeah, I know. I'm honored that you're honored. And we have another old friend from the website we just mentioned, David Bell. Hi. I also dream of things. I dream of uh, I, this is a this is a I'm this is a dream I had. Really? And we yeah, have sure. of, of being on the Dog Zone Nine Thousand, the official yeah, podcast no. of One Nine Hundred Hot Dog. Yeah. 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 Thanks for having me. I of am honored. Course. A window into my life. I got the uh, the second dose of a COVID vaccine yesterday. Oh shit! And, um, a lot of people are they, their bodies are reacting in different ways. It's pretty. The first one was very easygoing, but this last one, uh, some something in my skeleton decided to fuse with all of my organs and just to create a giant dry cracker inside my body. So hmm. I got a, a luxurious four hours of sleep last night, and I woke up in cracker form. And uh, my sweet daughter is turning four years old tomorrow, and I built her a uh, full size trampoline today which is probably the worst thing I could have done. And so I'm mostly just a pile of cranky gravel right now. So if yeah. this is a terrible show, uh, blame COVID. All right. And my uh, current immortality. So yeah, for, specifically for blame getting vaccinated. Yes. I want everyone well, to know uh, hold on. vaccines are dangerous. Don't do it. Yeah. Bill Gates knows exactly where I am. I don't know if we should joke about stuff like this. It seems, no, it seems maybe like not. Uh, maybe it's fragile okay. territory. <laughs> just all the vaccines. I think we all have don't, like don't get the cracker vaccine. The cracker vaccine is yeah, the wrong the, one. I got yeah. I got the bad one. Drink lots of water. That's the thing is I haven't had a glass of water in uh since about two thousand four, so that's probably my bad. <laughs> yeah. Um and happen. I know a lot of our relatives are uh uh legitimately, you know, crazy like I was joking. So uh, I maybe maybe it's not as funny as I wish it was. I've really it's given a myself fun. a lot to think about. Um you literally okay. learned something. You taught yourself yeah. <laughs> a, a handy lesson here. And uh, one of the things we like to do on the show, uh, first I, I get on and I complain a lot uh, as a comedy writer. I, I, I mostly just fuss all day. That's my job. And uh, then we like to talk about our current projects or recent projects. So, David, do you have uh, something fun you're working on? Something fun I'm working on? Um, well, or that you just did? I, ah, uh, oh, geez. Let's see here. I just did a episode of Hypecast uh, from my podcast network, Game Free, Gamefully Unemployed, with a uh, good old Jason Pargin. So it was oh. nice, a uh, nice brisk two-hour-long episode. Yeah, you're not getting out of that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Here's a fun fact: I've been on that show, and I know that gentleman. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh, what movie fun. did you talk about? <laughs> what was the question? <laughs> what uh, movie did you talk about? What movie? What movies? Oh God, all of them. You know, no. We talked about the lineup uh, this this year, like uh, 2021. How it's filled with movies that we were supposed to see like two years ago, a mm -hmm. year ago, like The Black Widow. Uh, but then also like the right. Mortal Kombat movie. And I don't know about you guys, but that's really all I need to see this year. I didn't know whenever... anything about it. I didn't know they were making a new one. Is it a sequel uh, or a reboot? No, it's a reboot. It's coming out on HBO Max because, uh, you know, nobody wants to go in theaters. It's coming out, uh, I don't know, like April? I, 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 yeah, I, I don't know anything about it either. Who's um, cast in the... Who's Liu Kang? I don't know. I don't know. All oh, I know like is Mortal unknowns? Kombat. They yeah, I think it is mostly un unknowns. They, no, they're not going to reboot the song. Why would no. they? No, that's my only <laughs> condition. I'll watch your entire movie for that song. Like... Like people yeah. listen to this entire podcast for our song. 
Oh yeah, which uh, you know, there's there's like a moment in some movies where you're like, okay, this is magical. And Mortal Kombat Annihilation had a moment like that where uh, ninjas were dropping from the sky on fire, and you're mm-hmm. like, this is great. And then uh, the two lady fighters, I think it was uh, Melina and uh, uh, I can't remember, but they had a mud wrestling fight. It might have been Sonya. I can't it's remember. It's Sonya. I believe it's Sonya. It's Sonya and uh, Jax is there as well. Yeah. For that. And so the ladies had like a sexy mud wrestling fight, which was very much like a, hey, we don't give a shit. We're going to put this in the movie and uh, we know what this looks like, but we don't care. And then uh, they, <laughs> I guess they went into a cave and there was like a nice shower in there. So she came out and she was like completely free of all the mud. And I thought, this is a movie that really does not care. They had a goal. They wanted a mud wrestling fight. They knew that would fuck up the whole movie. And they just said, no, no, just... Yeah. We'll have it work out. I Big think shower. Mortal Kombat Annihilation, they knew they knew what they knew what we wanted, which is as yeah. many Mortal Kombat characters as they could jam into mm-hmm. uh that movie. And they did it. Uh I, I consider there was a, that another movie moment a in the first one where uh Reptile appears and the movie stops and says, Reptile. And I thought that's fucking yep. good choice. Fucking Strong great mu- choice. movie. Yeah. yeah. I'm okay with the movie being as embarrassing as it wants, as long as it doesn't equivocate, as long as it doesn't apologize and be like, <laughs> "Yeah, well, here's here's the reason we're doing an embarrassing thing." No, just do it. There's a shower in the just, cave. Yeah. Who nobody's yeah. going to question it. Who cares? Some some asshole all cranky with a skeleton full of gravel is going to mention it. What thirty years from now? Mm-hmm. What an asshole that guy will be. Yeah. There's another scene I love in the first movie where Liu Kang punches Shang Tsung in the face, and Shang Tsung goes, "You fool." Which is just like, <laughs> they're in a fist fight trying to punch each other in the face. It seems exactly what he was going for. He nails it. And he's, I just love it. I love when uh, uh, the ending battle, he has to like face himself and like face mm-hmm. the enemy. And there's there's like three tests. And one of them, the test is just the bad guy saying, I've seen your fate. You will die. <laughs> and then Liu Kang just goes, no, I won't. And then they just move on. It was like, wow. The perfect That's counter. Like, how did you and know? A puzzle yeah. element. It, there's, yeah. a, there's a puzzle element in the first one where the, the magic lady says, in your next match, use the element that brings life. Yes. Which again, could be any four of the elements, right? Right. But it's Sub-Zero and he stops in the middle of the fight and just fucking makes us freeze ball for an hour and a half. And then Liu yep. Kang finally is like, oh, I got Liu this. Kang. That bucket of water, which was like left there by the magic person. The magic person could have absolutely said, hey, throw this bucket of water at him. Like so it was many Raiden. steps Raiden went. Raiden left yeah. the bucket. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I like to picture Raiden okay. gathering that bucket, figuring out yeah. a good place to drop it, meaning like, well, he spot it here. You think it'll spot it here? This looks like a good spot. I'm just going to, well, maybe a little. He'll find it. He'll find it. <laughs> There's like a He's fortress a employee. He's like, hey, aren't you like the, the Chinese god of lightning? What are you doing with that bucket? What are you, what are you, you're up to something with that bucket. That first movie, there's, there's a, they, they joke about it where um, Johnny Cage brings like a bunch of luggage. Right. Uh, but they are staying for like a week. Yeah. So it yeah. does mean that they do have like rooms, right? And like bathrooms that they're using. And like, I don't know, whatever the equivalent of a vending machine is there. Like sure. they don't really talk about it, but they are just like, it's like a resort. Uh, they're staying for days. The Mortal Kombat mm-hmm. Resort. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of my favorite and vacation I- destinations. I believe it's the sandals. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and if you're That's trying to make a case the- for it being a perfect screenplay... I think you did. Like, that's good character uh-huh. development. He's kind of a high-maintenance dude. Uh, yeah. It lets us know that he's going to be there for a while. It's elegant writing. It's perfect. I, it's a perfect, perfect film. Perfect movie. And I'm excited for the for the sequel, prequel, reboot, whatever you yeah. want to call it. Here's the thing. The the, the reboot is rated R uh, and is promising to have fatalities. 
So oh. that's that's the most I know is that I don't think it. yeah, I don't think it's going to take itself seriously, but I think it's going to be uh I don't know, pretty pretty gruesome at least and uh fun to watch and I think it's going to be the best thing ever and I'm excited for it. I and also appreciate how Mortal Kombat never left the exact age group it was targeted at in 1990. Like, if you play mm-hmm. Mortal Kombat now, all the DLC characters are like RoboCop and yeah. Predator and, and uh, God, who else? The Terminator to, to the T-800. It's just, it's exactly for, like, middle-aged men. Yeah. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. So, anyway, I, I love uh, Hypecast. Uh, it gets me maximum hype. Get you hype. That's good. Price of our show. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to hear. Uh, I've been working on. Um, I've kind of been on a kick about alien abductions, and I've been sort of collecting alien abduction survival books. Ooh. And uh, the the issue I'm running into is they're all exactly the same. Like they're all written by people that are in obviously the same like alien group therapy, and they all sort of talk about how like space aliens come down and then they list the exact symptoms of sleep paralysis. And so you just yep. kind of feel sad for them when you're like, oh, you guys just have sleep paralysis with like imaginations. And and then they talk about how like assertive they are to the aliens. They're just like re- these really sad, lonely people who are like, sometimes when I tell the aliens to fuck off, they don't take me to space. And like that, that's how strong I am. So try to think, <laughs> don't touch me alien. And, and they'll spread that tiny sentiment out across like 250 pages along with like, childlike drawings of the monsters that took them to space mm. anyway i've written two on the site already i don't think i'll ever be able to write a third one because like what else is there to say i just summed up every alien abduction survival book there'll ever be i wonder if they all know each other do they mention each other by name they, they mention the like... same stories but not like the other authors i haven't uh, run into that yet they're bound to like go to the same conventions or something i'm sure mm-hmm. I've just actually been reading about uh, cryptids because I'm working on a podcast about cryptids, specifically the Loch Ness Monster. And uh, that's also a hell of a hell of a history. Uh, The whole podcast uh, is about the Loch Ness Monster or just? No, I'm doing an episode about Loch Ness Monster. And I I, I looked into the history of Loch Ness Monster and it's just it's mostly people seeing eels. Like that's (laughs) I think mostly what the Loch Ness Monster is. It's kind of a monster. Yeah, there was a brief period in the in World War. uh, Two, uh, where like That's the, the one Nazis, where we fought the eels. yeah, the Nazis no, no, no. claimed to of... capture the Loch Ness monster, <laughs> and then Mussolini claimed that uh, an Italian po- pilot bombed the Loch Ness monster. Oh, that's so the Daily sweet. Mail put out a counter story saying, "No, we saw, we have a witness here who saw that he was bombed, but he mm. got away." <laughs> so they didn't, they didn't, yeah, they didn't say like that's not <laughs> true. They said they conti- they yes ended. The uh, the Mussolini story to add no and, Lo- and Nessie got away. This would be so, a so embarrassing just, for Mussolini to just not hunt. Yeah, yeah. I don't know paranormal stuff like reading these books on it because they're written by people who a hundred percent believe the stories. Yes. So everything is framed from that perspective, and it's very I funny what the... like obvious things they are right. saying is like Loch Ness monster or ghosts. And it, it, it becomes really embarrassing because they all like just completely breathlessly believe anyone who comes up to them. So they'll have yeah. like, you know, some total asshole who's just fucking with them being like, oh, yeah, aliens took me. But I like punched one in the face and they'll be like, so this this is proof that you can punch aliens and get away. And they'll, yeah, they'll they're one weakness, their a they solid write it down. punch yeah. to the face. <laughs> yeah. And they came to the one planet absolutely full, 80 percent punches to the face. 
Right. It's like the <laughs> movie Signs where their weakness was water. Like the, their dumb. actual weakness is punches to the face and they came to the planet filled with punches. <laughs> Let me tell you uh, why I love Signs so much. Uh, yeah. Early in the movie, uh, Mel Gibson's wife, this is a lot of spoilers if you haven't seen the 2002 film Signs. signs. Yeah. Uh, so and Mel Gibson's too. wife gets like smashed in half by some train or something. Yeah. And he's hanging out and they know she's going to die. They're like, dude, as soon as they pull this off you, you're going to fall in half and just you're gone. And so she's like, tell our son to swing away. And he's like, whatever. She's like, oh, what a chittering madman just saying crazy shit while she dies. But then later, all of these like planned payoffs come together so that an alien is like standing next to a glass of water because the little girl leaves glasses of water everywhere. And then here comes his son right next to a baseball bat. And he's like, oh, my God, swing away. This is it. So he grabs the baseball bat and hits the alien with baseball bat. He hits the water. And then that's how they figure it out. Which, But I love it because I feel like you don't need a saw like a woman in half to to think of like hitting right. an alien with a baseball bat but like it's very clear that god chose to murder his wife to give him that hot tip yep and well uh, you know you remember who plays the guy who sawed his wife in half with a car right it's uh m night Shyamalan. he plays is, god he well he's the guy who drove the car who's oh, right so he is god he yeah, he's he, right. saw, or he was god basically god in every one of yeah. his movies where he came he's and yeah there's another, Have you heard uh, the theory? Let's talk about M. Night Shyamalan for a minute because there's another yeah, one where they're all trapped it. in an elevator, except one of them's devil. the devil. Right. Yeah. And my favorite there's like my favorite <laughs> elevator pitch. <laughs> it's, it's, it's great. That was, Robert. That was elevator pitch. I was gonna say, where the fuck is Glick for that? Come on. So they're in there and and one of the guys is Mexican, and so he's like, Oh, I know what this is. Sometimes the devil will show up at an elevator, and it's just like that's what you have to deal we with. We have a story. And we have a fable. Our people <laughs> about the devil in an elevator. Right. Right. It, what I love about that elevator. is like Mexico is right next door. Like we all have multiple Mexican people in our life, and you know we learned Spanish in school. This is not a wild exotic location where they're like, oh yeah, these crazy people have these these customs where the devil shows up in elevators. It's like no, no, no. We know this is. Make believe. Like we could just from... ask. <laughs> yeah, right. Hey, when you grew up uh, uh, across the border, did you ever have any devils in your elevators? I. That's what oh, I love did. about the devil. Oh, every single well, one. Yeah. Oh, all right. It's, There's like my apologies. It's like, a, it's like a rule for horror movies, right? That like you just have a character like that, and if they have an accent, then we're like, well, I guess they know what they're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like if it's a Native guy. American, it's like, of course they have some sort of magic power. Like that's yeah. You know, wouldn't it maybe be it's great just if white there was supremacy a baked American into our world? In yeah. like a well, stressful you... scenario, and he was a total dipshit. Wouldn't you love to see that just once? <laughs> you ever that see the Chupacabra uh, episode of X Files? Because that begins with it's just it's just about a guy with a like skin disease, and because okay. at the very beginning, Mulder talks to an old woman who uses the word Chupacabra. For the rest of the episode, Mulder is just referring to this guy as Chupacabra. <laughs> uh, and that's the episode. Like the Maybe Chupacabra episode, episode of the X-Files is just a guy who happens to be Mexican. So yeah, Mulder is like, calling him Chupacabra. He's like, Agent, I just have like psoriasis. You've got to leave me alone. This yeah, is so racist, Mulder. Even, even by the lens of the 90s. Yeah. This it's is a very disease racist. that, yeah, it's like a fungal disease that kills other people. Like it is a, it is a hazard, but it has nothing okay. to do with the chupacabra. It is the chupacabra. Yeah, that's what we it's call that like, disease. 
My name's Larry. I'm like ninth generation, dude. I, yeah. I don't even speak <laughs> Spanish. <laughs> From Long Beach. <laughs> anyway, so the devil lives in elevators. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> ask your local la- Latinos to tell you more. Any Latino. Really? Uh, don't even preface it. Just be <laughs> like, so how about that uh, elevator devil? Have you, have, you, have you seen that guy? Like Preferably bring it up in an elevator, right? Right. Just accuse them of being, if there's only one other person and you know you're not the devil, you have to be sure you're That's not the, the rule. devil. Right. There's always and one the devil, guy's gotta be the devil elevator. And you say it like this. You say, con permiso, hay muchos diablos en este elevador. Mm-hmm. Probably. I don't think that's right. Elevator. They'll get it. They'll know what you mean because you'll be in the elevator. Yeah. Yeah. Just point to all around you. <laughs> they'll say, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> they'll know. No, they'll be like, oh, you saw that, that movie. Yeah. Our secret's out. Right. Son of a bitch. That, the best part is when he drops the toast. Doesn't he drop toast and it like lands butter side down? And he's oh, like, right. see, that... the devil's here. <laughs> by the way, that's not, that's not that's even proof. directed by M. Night Shyamalan. That one oh, is right. like he wrote he it. produced right. it. Yeah, and wrote it. Right. His true strength. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> love, That's what I you that, want. Like, I think one of you six people is the devil, but I need to be sure. Does anyone yeah, have any butter? You yeah, you did bring toast something. on the elevator. Oh, good. What a, what a coincidence. <laughs> if you Fortune butter a on cat the uh, on the back, um, that will yep. make the cat levitate. I, if I... If I'm understanding the physics right, because the cat will always land on his feet, but your toast will always land butter side down, so the universe can't decide what to do with it. Listen, I don't have the range to do a Jiminy Glick impression, so you're going to have to Glick yourself. (laughs) That's very cute of the cat. (laughs) Had to be done. Uh, Brockway, what what are you working on these days? I am working mostly on healing my broken goddamn shoulder. it, it's, What'd you do? It's not broken. It's just falling apart on me. I have no idea what I did, but it stopped working. And now it makes mm. a horrendous sound when I move it, which uh, it turns out since I'm on the computer like 14 hours a day, basically all I do is move my shoulder. Yep. Yeah. You're going to go to like uh, a... Pull-ups? What you want to do is do some pull-ups. Before you do the pull-up, yep. eat like a large pizza, and that'll increase your weight, make the pull-ups a little more effective. That makes a lot of sense to me. This is the first diet that's really speaking to me. I know. Uh, right. Aside from that, I've been doing a lot of research for stuff that I really hope I can one day get to. And uh, I bought the Infernal Dictionary, which is uh, oh. a book of demonology. It's supposedly the book on demonology full of illustrations I, from like the 1800s. I that is dumb as shit. Mm. It is dumb as shit. Somebody pointed it to me from our Discord, who was fantastic, even though I do not have who it was. Right in front of me right now. <laughs> we'll think. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll fill in that name in post. I'm sure. <clears throat> and so, yeah, are there it's... like um, stuff that are there things you can actually do? I guess that's what I love about magic books is when they say like, "Oh, here's a potion that will do this," and you can just mm-hmm. test it at home and like prove magic is fake. You know what I mean? No, it, it does my favorite thing where it's it's just cocktails. It's just okay. naming characters. So it's it's like 150 oh. pages of just a list of every demon and what they do and what they look oh. like. And so I am putting together a 13 crappiest demons in the spirit of your 13 crappiest dinosaurs. I and saw that in our spreadsheet. Yeah, in- that's Introduce uh, you to my to best friends here. <laughs> this is Orcus. He loves tuna sandwiches. That is not very far off. I just 
<laughs> I just opened it at random to Malthus, who is a uh, who's a crow in trousers, and he carries a, like a like a spade, like he's gonna lay some bricks. His name is so Malthus. So if I see a crow in trousers, I'll know that that's a demon. That's a demon. He's the great president of the underworld. That's a crow in trousers. It could just uh, be a crow looking for work or something like that. Yeah, though. Uh, that's that's pretty much what he is. Uh, the sound of his voice saw, is hoarse. I saw Blue Jay in trousers, and uh, he said he was city comptroller. No, that, that doesn't count. That's probably and that's a cute little joke I made. Uh, you know what I'm saying? That's probably just a Blue Jay. He's not in here. But this crow, uh, this crow gives familiars. He receives sacrifices, and he deceives priests. I mean, <laughs> everybody receives sacrifices, right? But he deceives priests. He tricks yeah. them. He tells them like the wrong directions when they ask how to get to right. prison yogurt joint. He taps on their shoulder, and he's on the other side of them. So they mm-hmm. look the wrong way. And he that's what made him. Sins, and then he's like, just kidding. That's what yeah. made him a great under, great leader of the underworld of hell is uh, lightly deceiving. Democratically Chris elected. And, and yeah. having, having some bricklaying experience. Right. And I imagine that's a very long term you serve as like a president of the underworld. It's probably not like a four year term. I feel like it's I mean, one of those have to things update where, the book a lot, right? where everybody is special. Like, every demon is like, oh, he's a great king mm-hmm. of the underworld. Oh, this guy, right. he's a true king of the underworld. This guy's a real king mm-hmm. of the underworld. Just because there's so many shitty demons. You just, <laughs> and you don't want them to feel bad. They're already in hell. It's like, this yeah. is rough enough right. for them. And if they can't mess you up, they probably at least know somebody who could. So you don't want to offend them. Yeah, there's like, one this guy, crow's like, not going to do shit to you, but like... Crow might know somebody. Yeah. Is there like you a might GoFundMe where we guy... can like send some baby blood to like cheer him up? To cheer up the crow? Yeah. To, to cheer up uh, Malthus or the his vice president, whoever. I really don't know. I feel kind yeah, of bad yeah, for Malthus. these demons. You should. Like they they don't they don't have a lot going for him. One guy he just invented frying, and I guess that's what makes him a demon. <laughs> Frying like it makes him yeah. really nice, like, like deep frying. Yeah, that sounds like it makes him an angel. No, yeah. apparently straight to hell. If you fry something, wow. straight to hell. And then you meet you meet Bill Fry or whatever. Right. God, God, what if that's the thing? You go to hell and you're like, "What did I do?" And they're like, "It's frying." Yeah, yeah you shouldn't really. Did you not know it was named after yeah. Fry, the demon Fry? Yeah. It's like one of the only like three things people go to hell for too, and everybody does it. There's so many rules to stay out of hell. Yeah. Well, apparently it's not that bad. If this book is uh, any indicator, you could you right. could safely take. I want to say 89 percent of the demons in hell. And if you safely just whip the holy shit out of 89 percent of the demons down there, I'm gonna bet the remaining 11 they don't come after you so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well. Yeah, they got too awesome. many to deal with. I feel better about my chances, then. I'm gonna go make some French fries tonight. I'm going straight to hell, you guys. Guaranteed. <laughs> I'm going to work on it. Oh, yeah. We're all going. Same with the people listening. They didn't, like, we're just by association. Uh, we're dragging them all down with yeah, us, right? Told, I told you about frying. That that did. Yeah. That was it. See you in hell. I was just going to do the rest of the podcast backwards. Nice. Um, anyway, I've just been working on my demons is all. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, I look forward to reading that because uh, I love I, I love the supernatural books, like just kind of written down as matter of fact stuff. So you can just understand like the political workings of the underworld. And uh, I just love how it only takes one or two details before you're just suddenly like, what the f- fuck? This is so stupid and ridiculous. 
and uh, right. when they're like when the they're old spot. like this one and then it's like two three hundred years old because the bar has moved so far on what is frightening they're just right. like look at this owl he's uh he's got like he's got like a sloth head also is the only like qualification of this book is that it's old like who wrote it do they have some sort of experience with demons or is it just someone from a long time ago and so we're like well it's probably correct because it's uh, uh, it's apparently written by colin de plancy who does not inspire no demonology expertise but colin this book of demons that was the original author this version has been edited together by diablito ordo al ghul huh see that's a demon name that that guy knows his demons that is a demon guy yeah, that sounds like some Ninth Gate shit. Uh, that makes me feel better. I that guess, sounds like uh, one of my high school goth girlfriend's friend that really doesn't yeah. like me for dating his <laughs> goth friend. Yeah. Now, gives this is going to sound crazy. Did your shoulder start hurting after you started fucking around with this demon book? Mm. I, yeah, it, it did. I bought the demon right. book and I hadn't read it. And then my shoulder started giving me problems. And it forced okay. me... It forced me to read the demon book. Yeah. This is already more evidence than I've seen in 25 alien abduction survival guides. Just Yeah, hell's a little more it out solid. There. So what you want to do is you want to take that book to your backyard, bury it at least 12 inches deep, yep. and um, you're going to rub some coconut shavings on top, uh, and that'll make the book fall in love with you. And uh, then I think you just ask it to leave you alone. You got to eat it, right? Too. That's I a good feel point. like you got that's a book you want to eat. You just put coconut on it. It sounds pretty good. Yeah, it sounds yeah. delicious. Be ashamed to waste. All it. right. So, problem solved. Yeah. Great job. So, the yeah, actual we... thing we're working on today, um, oh, besides right. we're doing a podcast. Brockway to Hell. We are doing a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about uh, terrible movies that we love. Like movies that are crowd pleasers when you like show them to your friends. Uh, they're objectively obviously bad, but somehow lovable. And uh, we've each brought our own example. Uh, so, David, would you like to uh, share yours first? Yeah, I don't think this is an obviously bad movie. What I brought oh. in. Well, then you, the you fucked up the whole premise. Uh, the whole yeah, show's... I, I want to talk God about. I want to talk about the movie Miami Connection. Oh, see, that's a fucking sweet. I didn't know you were bringing that. I like that movie. That's a gr- it's a great movie. It's got it's known for being bad, but I don't think it, I really don't think it's that bad. It's this is all right for people who don't know. This is a movie from 1987 um, by uh, Y.K. Kim, who um, I believe owned a series of like um, karate like uh, studios, uh, and he he met someone named uh, Richard Park or Park Wu Sang. And they both decided to make a movie about Taekwondo together. They filmed it in Central Florida for a million dollars. Um, that movie and cost a million dollars. That's uh, that's the like estimated budget from the internet. Who knows? Like, you know, who knows what it actually cost? Um, and it bombed, uh, and it was forgotten for a very long time. Until a uh, a programmer from the Alamo Draft House found it on eBay for fifty dollars. Uh, just found the like the a copy of the film, watched it, 
And uh, Draft House basically went to YK Kim and was like, can we release this? And became kind of a cult classic. There was a riff tracks on it. Uh, But I don't know. I I just think this movie rocks. Uh, It's... It, I think of this movie as sort of the um, the anti room, where uh, or the room, uh, like it's Tom, like Tommy Wiseau made the room from being just like a a grating individual and wearing people down. Y.K. Kim, from what I can tell from the making of this, was able to do a lot of stuff cheap and get a lot of actors on because he was just really well liked around Orlando. So it's it's just such a positive movie it's about friendship and family uh it's about awesome fucking well yeah it's about an awesome band dragon sound who i would legit watch like i would legit go see dragon sound the music in general is really good uh i don't know if you guys have watched it recently but the music is fucking great uh, and it's they're just very wholesome and friendly. And then at the end, it's like a fucking trauma film where they just murder ninjas. Uh, <laughs> and it's just so bloody. And so like the overall, it's it's just like we're friends. We're having a great time. But if you fuck with us, we will tear you in half. We are Dragon Sound. And that's the movie. Uh, it's very close to it, Buckaroo Banzai. That's almost yeah. the plot of Buckaroo Banzai. Yeah, um, I would say the 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 weakness of this movie is that it's not shot particularly well, uh, but like the broad strokes is it's fucking great. Um, the gangs, the gangs are dressed like they're in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle like cartoon universe. Right. Uh, it's just beautiful fucking eighties gangs. Uh, Yes, it just like in my brain, action. I always mix it up with uh, the Andy Sedaris movies, and uh, which has a similar theme of just people getting together and saying like, "What would be the most fun movie we could make?" And, yeah, uh, and that's, I guess that's what I like about it. And no decade, no decade was more terrified of gangs, and no decade portrayed gangs as looking like mm-hmm. such good fun in the eighties. We're terrified mm-hmm. of gang violence, but look at what a good time they're having. Some of the gang members in this. You remember the guy who looks like Kid Rock and he has like a belly shirt? <laughs> Not really. He's amazing. Yeah, there was a I don't know if I don't know who took the initiative, but a lot of the, the thugs in this uh are really making it like making it count. I mean, like Florida, they seem to know nineteen eighty seven, it's very possible they just went on the street and <laughs> just said, You yeah. are perfect in every way. <laughs> As a human, but also for this movie. Don't change anything. Just stand here and say ninjas. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a gang of people dressed exactly like you who have the same hobbies and you've made a whole persona about it? Maybe baseball or Yeah, it's called karate. the bus stop. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I can't recommend this movie enough. The uh, Again, the wholesomeness um, of the fact that they... They, they sing about friendship and it's all about how they want to do a tour to all the countries they're from uh, like and teach Taekwondo to like the locals and stuff like that. Like there's there it's oh, man. I would love it if instead of a merch table after you saw a show like you'd go to the corner and like they yeah. have some mats laid out and they would teach you some sweet moves. The drummer's going to teach you how to do a spin kick. <laughs> yeah. 
They do the stuff on for stage. A spin kick. <laughs> there are so many guitar like... solos in that movie, and that's really my only metric for a good movie. Is how oh, yeah. many guitar solos are there? And I feel like there's, if there's not a guitar solo happening right now, then yeah. you can see it in the character's eyes that there is going to be a guitar solo soon. <laughs> you just know. There's it only, out. there's only two songs, um, the friend, the friends forever song, and against the ninja. So they have yeah, song about being best friends and songs about beating up ninjas. You can look up the soundtrack online if you just want to listen to the songs. Which, which is how written, you described the movie. You're like, this is yeah. a movie about best friends fighting ninjas. Yep. And the the uh, the actors wrote the songs. As far as I can tell, the songs were written by the people who are performing them in the movie who are also doing Taekwondo in the movie. Uh, triple threat. That's so what like, you call a triple yeah. threat. It's talent. Uh, the, yeah. It's, it's just, it brings me so much joy. Also, uh, 84 Minutes. Can't stress enough mm. how uh, how great that is. Lost. So what are the circumstances? Under ninety. Yeah, yeah. What, you, what what's an occasion you think this movie would be uh, perfect for? I mean, this is gr- this is a good getting together with friends. I recently showed this to Tom Ryman, mm-hmm. uh, who had never seen it before, and he was fucking delighted because it really I, it's from beginning to end. Um, it's also it is it's. It's not on purpose, but it's a hilariously efficient film. Like when a scene ends, they just cut away. Uh, when they don't need the music anymore, they just fade it out real quick. Uh, they just get that. right to the point. Yeah. Um, there's no, there's no scene that feels unnecessary. Even the scene where they all just go to the beach to ogle women, uh-huh. uh, and then nothing happens. It doesn't matter. It's it's a delightful. It's it's. It's a perfect movie. The, I, I would say this isn't a party movie. I think this is a watching with a few close friends who hadn't mm-hmm. seen it before. You just have to and pick just one staring guy at their face. and yeah. you bring him in and you form and way, an intense emotional bond yeah. mm-hmm. that can yeah. never be broken. The They sandwich it, this movie, with just tremendous violence. And that's also what I love about it is that the very first scene, the only scene that takes place in Miami... Uh, is like a cocaine deal where a motorcycle riding gang of ninjas shows up and like a guy gets his arm cut off. Uh, a guy gets like ninja starred in the face. Nice. And it, 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 it's very fast and violent. And then we do, we like for most of the movie, we follow just the band. Uh, and then the final fight, it suddenly just gets just as violent. Like heads get chopped off. Uh, and I don't know. There's something about that that's it, it escalates perfectly. It mm-hmm. it starts with this little promise of like there's going to be horrific violence in this movie, uh, and then that keeps people around watching. And then by the time we get like it's something like ten minutes in, we hear the band uh, play, and we know what we're in for at that point. So, right, I, like if if someone gets hit with a throwing star in the face like early in the movie. That's that lets the audience know. Oh no! Don't look at your phone during this movie because this exactly. could happen. Exactly. Exactly. And then it, it takes a while to get back to that level of violence. But in that journey, you you fall in love with a whole other thing. Right. Like you fall in love. Like I I think what what's kind of amazing about this movie is that I pay attention to like the dialogue scenes. And uh, most bad movies, the moment someone's talking for more than a minute, I get really distracted by that. Mm-hmm. But they they have they give one of the characters a entire monologue about how he never met his father 
and he's crying and they just stay on a shot of him and you can't look away from that shit. They're not great actors. None of them are good actors, but they seem like nice people. Do you think it was off script? Do you think like one of the actors just like said, guys, we got to cut? No, because it completes completes the arc, though, because he's the character. He goes to the hospital at the end, spoilers, uh, and meets his father. Uh I don't want to spoil Miami. Do you think that was off script? Do you think that was improv? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was a uh, what are you doing? Why are you dressed like this? I'm yeah. dying, son. There, the best. Uh, there is an off-script moment, which is that there's two cops in it, and they just got real cops. And uh, <laughs> one of the cops was so nervous to be on camera that he wasn't paying attention to where his gun was pointed. <laughs> so in his scene, he points his gun directly at his partner's heart. Jeez. Uh, it's it's amazing. <laughs> they do just watch, do the scene, uh, and he's. Do you ever watch Fred Williamson movies? Because uh, who? Fred Williamson. He was in a, he's a, a big black guy from Dusk Till Dawn is like the one we, you've almost certainly seen him in. Uh, anyway, he has this, uh, he did a lot of black exploitation films. Uh, most of the sure. names I literally can't say out loud uh, without sure. causing a hate crime. But he would just, he had this production company. We'd go to Italy and just like shoot fucking guerrilla style. And so all the extras are looking directly into the camera in every single scene. Oh yeah. And uh, they're fantastic. So next time you're looking for some bad movies, just, just. Check out Fred Williamson. Pick oh, yeah. one of the ones without the N-word in it, and I think uh, everyone will have a nice time. Definitely check it out. There's a, there's part of that in Miami Connection because they have a group of bikers, and they just got a bunch of bikers from Central Florida, gave them a bunch of beer, and they agreed to be filmed for it. Always so there's scenes idea. where they're... Yeah, and they're just like mooning the camera for the sequence uh, because they don't give a shit that it's a movie. And yet it works. It works mm-hmm. perfectly. This movie think, just works. I think Mortal Kombat Annihilation would be better if a few of the extras moved the camera. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think the key to making a good movie is to not really give a shit that it's a movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really, well, what I think really, it's what really shows in this movie is passion. And it really seems like, and, it, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but from everything I can tell, uh, everybody involved in the movie enjoyed making it and was just mm-hmm. having a great time and genuinely seemed to like each other. And that's why I think it's like the anti the room, because it's just right. birthed from joy. Yeah, the room uh, is a real joy. struggle. You can feel the. Uh, yeah. The. Once the you get to like the fifth and... sex scene, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's 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 real bummer. So well, I I don't know. That's. Uh, I think that's it's my pitch for this movie. It's, it's it was a beautiful, beautiful pitch. It was hard when you asked me. I, 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 you know, I was torn because I was thinking of doing um, the core, which I could also talk endlessly about. I do. So you love you the liked core. the core. Yeah, but I can't really. <laughs> the reason I went with Miami Connection over the core is the core is more of an ironic enjoyment. Sure. Miami Connection is like genuine enjoyment. I do feel like the core also did at least. They committed, like they committed to not giving a shit about physics, about yeah. science, about mm-hmm. any coherent logic. They were just like, "Look, this is what's happening. We're taking a train through the earth." Like, yeah, you know what? That's just that's it. It was you're either on or right you're at, off. It was at the very end of those Emmerich like disaster movies. The core was like 
trailing the caboose like us too and everybody yeah. was like no we're good the core like they no, didn't even consult with a seventh grader they're just like you think this would work i'm not fucking yeah. calling anyone we're we're, we're no, filming we're just it just doing it yeah i'm right best the part of the today <laughs> best part of the core is when um aaron eckhart has to explain what's going to happen to the earth to a bunch of scientists and they do the scene where the scientist has to explain it so right. they they did like you know how they always do the thing where like in Armageddon he's like imagine a fist with a sure. firework in it. In this one he took a peach and he holds it up and goes this is the earth and then takes an aerosol can <laughs> and just flames this peach uh-huh. and everybody just goes oh Again, like yeah. the, like they needed yeah like they needed that to understand what was going to happen to the earth. It's an incredible scene. <laughs> it's going to grill us like a peach. Makes perfect yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. Like when you flamethrower a peach. Yeah. Ah, it's exactly I get it. like that. Well, you're talking about how, like, you ironically love a movie, but I think that's the appeal of bad movies is that you can love them in a lot of different ways. And so. My, yeah. My argument is that Miami Connection is not a bad movie. It is a, uh, it is a movie that has poor quality. Uh, it was not done by uh, professionals. Okay. Uh, but I think it's a movie uh, with heart and uh, that brings joy and is at least the music is genuinely good. The so music I would say if is the intent is good. Yeah. I always, my thing is if they're trying, okay. if they try uh, the, the worst thing in the world to me is a movie that's just like cynical or like mediocre right. and like, doesn't seem to be giving a shit. Miami connection. I think, uh, is trying really hard to be awesome and succeeds in a lot of points. They know they're, they're doing a lot of the, like they do a lot of the Jackie Chan formula, the, I don't want any trouble situation where they keep putting them in a situation where goons show up and they're like, we're going to get you. And they like, they, they understand what needs to happen for this to be a good movie. Uh, They just, they didn't, I think they were a a little, you know, limited Mm -hmm. uh, in their resources. Uh, and so they couldn't fully realize Miami connection, uh, but they did their goddamn best. Uh, and I don't know. I, I think they it, YK Kim uh, deserves to get, I don't know, at least a billion dollars for a remake. That seems reasonable. Mm-hmm. He'd make it back. Just make that happen. Let's kick here, here's, that. Yeah. Here's what we do. We go to, we get whatever they're given James Cameron. We take that away from him. Mm hmm. And we hand it over to YK Kim and have him make uh, another Miami connection. I love it. Yeah. He's still making the Avatar movies, huh? Yeah. And I can't even imagine a person that gives a shit about that. I can't even conduct like an imaginary person in my head. Yeah. I would argue that Miami connection is a better film than Avatar. (laughs) If you had to put the two movies Side to side and pick one to entertain yourself for an evening. Uh-huh. You pick Miami Connection. Well, I remember Avatar. Miami yeah. Connection. I've seen That's Avatar. True too. I could not tell you yeah. anything about Avatar. Yeah. Possibly, that is that amazing thing about literally. it. I feel like we've said this before, but it is astonishing how how many people saw that movie and how important it was for just a brief moment of time. And no one has ever like had a conversation about it. This is the longest I've yeah. talked about Avatar. Yeah, because yeah, nobody's it's, mentioned it in like twenty years or however long it's been. It's, it's such a movies, mediocre film. Uh, speaking of movies nobody's mentioned in over twenty years, I think Brockway's movie 
uh, yes. is exactly that. Oh, is it time for equilibrium? I yeah. transition into equilibrium. Been, has been roughly 20 years, and I think it's, it's about time we, re- we revisit equilibrium. Because I, I do love it, and I, I don't know. It's, it's at least partially ironic. Uh, but it's not entirely ironic. I get a genuine enjoyment out of how seriously that movie takes itself. Uh, equilibrium it's kind of like, to sum up. I guess I, I, I'm, let me interrupt for a second. It sort of reminds me of um, Cool as Ice by Vanilla Ice, where there was like this very fleeting idea of what was cool. And they're like, this is cool, but it's not going to be cool for like fucking eight more minutes. We've got to like make this well, movie right now. And then. Yeah. The, the Matrix came out. Right. It was, and, it was after the, the, the Matrix, know. but before the third Matrix, I think. Yeah. 2002. I think so it was it was before we were like fuck the Matrix, because <laughs> right. that happened r- real quick after the third movie. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Uh, so it was still in that he he hit in that sweet spot when like you could still sell a movie by saying this is like the Matrix, but and then whatever bullshit, mm-hmm. and it it couldn't happen. Yeah, you're right. It couldn't have happened any earlier because it needed the Matrix to to show somebody that this dumb shit could be successful. <laughs> couldn't happen any later because we were all over it by like right. 2003 and it's just right. it's so goofy and it's so ridiculous and no movie knows that they're goofy and ridiculous less than equilibrium with right. equilibrium yeah, would never believe movie. you if you laughed at equilibrium the equilibrium just what do you not get what we're saying do you not get what we're this, putting down here this movie is also the height of the gun kata craze which I believe started started with equilibrium and ended with equilibrium. Yeah, uh, almost exactly around there. Yeah. Well, if anybody if anybody hasn't seen it, equilibrium, real quick, it's just Fahrenheit 451 with like a little bit of Brave New World. Only instead of like burning books, it's just like having emotions. That, yeah, that's it. That's your twist. Is like, what if instead of burning books, they were burning like emotions? And then yeah. that's all Hollywood needed to be like, oh right. Okay. And there are trench coats? Yeah. Yeah, there are trench coats. Oh, yeah. Spinning and twirling and, and, trench coats. And somebody somebody does something in slow motion. Everybody's in slow motion. Everybody. It's great. Yeah. Right. Here's here's eight hundred million dollars or however much money you got. But and he, the uh, yeah, he invented gunkata, which is the best part. It's the best part of equilibrium. <laughs> is the extremely stupid martial art based on posing really cool with guns. Yeah. The guns, don't they have, like, something on the, on the guns that you, like, that, like, come out and you're supposed to, like, hit each other with it or something? They do have little tiny nubbins that I never got nubbins. the point of that pop out of the, yeah. pop out of the bottom. But mostly, uh, gun kata is, it's about, supposedly, it's about statistical analysis that, like, we've analyzed where the most common angles people shoot you from <laughs> and how you can stand so that they can't hit you. And then the poses that you can do to guarantee you hit them and it makes the loftiest promises like you will become 120 percent better killer than what you were i believe that's actually a quote in the movie right well, it, if, if it's sort of the natural progression of traditional martial arts right like if you look at an old martial arts book they have these katas where you're like high block cross block turn to the right do a punch and I, what if I you think did that with guns be, right like it feels like where was this movie before? Like someone had to have come up with that with swords and clubs and whatever, right. throwing stars. 
but I mean, there were there were sword katas and all that stuff. There are katas for weapons. This guy was just the first sure. to go. What if he held guns and did that? And right. Somebody was like, "Well, if you were holding guns, you wouldn't need to do that." Like, no, but what if, what if you did it anyway? And I love yeah. how there's so little application of it, right? Uh, other than just like, oh, it'll, it's a choreographed gunfight, but it's like that's already what a gunfight in a movie is. So there's little things like he'll put the clip on the ground it, before the gunfight, and then as the gunfight's going, he'll like slam his gun onto the floor to like put the clip in. Right, and you just just put the clip in yeah. to the, at the beginning. Sure. Like, there's no need. But it's it the equivalent feels like that's of like the only the only yeah. application of this thing is to to just we really to, hammer home that this guy is he planned this choreography before the bad guy showed up. Right. If, and you have to generally favorite, inconvenience yourself. Yeah, it's all it's very inconvenient to everybody involved. Uh, it's just a lot of posing awkwardly, a lot of stretching, yeah. like light stretching, but with guns. Mm-hmm. Which is why it makes me so happy that Kurt Wimmer invented it. It wasn't, you know, right. something yeah. from the movie. He, I found an interview with him where he talks about how he invented it in his backyard. And that just... <laughs> when he was seven? <laughs> no, like, no, like before he was making the movie. And it makes me so happy to picture him. Yeah. Like all of his neighbors trying not to... Like, what the fuck is he doing? Because if, if you watch them practicing their practice scenes in the movie of like these elite warriors practicing gun kata without, you know, actually killing. And, yeah. Uh, they don't have fake guns. They make gun fingers. They make pistol fingers. Oh, like so pew, pew, pistol fingers while they're doing it. So, you know, Kurt Wimmer was in his backyard making pistol fingers. <laughs> I hope. Because like, the alternative is he's swinging guns around his backyard. <laughs> yeah, you want hope he's Within like 10 fingers. feet of his neighbor's. <laughs> And then he saw the the actors do it, and he says, oh, thank God. I was worried I'd looked fucking lame when I did this in my backyard. This looks awesome. (laughs) No, he he was so proud of it. He came to the stunt coordinator uh, for the movie and demanded, like, they work together. And so he's credited as, like, hybrid style. The, The gun kata they do in Equilibrium is a hybrid between Kurt Wimmer's original vision and the stunt choreographer. And and he has a... He has a story of, he, uh, I have this quote here. I came to him with the gun kata, and I remember, I remember that I demonstrated to him the gun kata. And I said, <laughs> this is how you do it. This is what I want to do, and this is how it works. And everybody looked at me like I was really fucking crazy, and I felt really <laughs> silly doing it. But I have to say, I didn't show it. <laughs> wow. You know what, you know how, like, ballsy it is? To invent a martial art. <laughs> Show it to a guy who probably clearly yeah. knows the martial arts. It would be like, this is how it works. It's like inventing a language where it's like, this better be really good because we already have too many of these. So, like, this better bring something to the table. Otherwise, no, we're not going to use it. Uh, and Gunkata is the most useless martial art you, you could know, ever I, invent. I have a lot of videos that it's just bikini ladies shooting guns. And they sure. don't really do anything. They just like shoot the gun at they a target. Sometimes it's not even on the screen. Yeah, it could be battle voking the whole time. If they did gun kata. Yeah. I feel like that would be better in every direction. Yeah, bikini gun kata is where you should have taken that, Kurt. Uh-huh. But it's my mm-hmm. favorite that he invented that. But I think I'm I mean, saying gun a porno parody clearly... of this could be really good. Maybe not yeah. really good, but better. <laughs> 20, Wait, a gun 20 years later, porno when nobody remembers it. That's my pitch. 
<laughs> right. Oh, <no>. of <laughs> equilibrium. Right. What would no, the no, name No, no, just Gunkata. Oh. Uh, e- Gun, e- it would be... Ecoclibrium. Yeah, Gunkakta. Co- e- equilibricum. Equilibricum. Oh, so much better. Equilibricum. That, oh, that's very that's good. Robert Broadway. Oh, I got glicked again. It's a two-glick <laughs> podcast for me. Yeah. Well, like, clearly, everybody's favorite part of this movie is how dumb Gunkata is. And my favorite well, part of the making of it is how just in earnest Kurt Wimmer was about it, about how he made it up in his backyard and he showed everybody, like, like a proud second grader. Yeah. It's just, it makes my life. In the same way, there's there was an influx of we're doing the Matrix. Uh, there's that influx of we're going to do dystopian worlds. Uh-huh. And that is they they get so funny. Like I do remember in this one, don't they like bl- like light the Mona Lisa on fire? Like you're not supposed to have like art. Yeah, they and they like, said it. They had somebody like test it, like it was cocaine. Like he comes yeah. out and he takes a little scratch. It's real. <laughs> yeah, and that the is real just Mona so Lisa. fucking real Mona funny. Lisa. Also, it wasn't because it's like a huge, and the Mona Lisa is tiny. Which anybody right. could look that up, even <laughs> in two thousand two, you could look that up. <laughs> you could Google it, or I guess uh, like it, right? Yeah, yeah. and uh, it's so what? funny because he made this. He made this movie to be about art. Like it was about. He has this whole long quote that I'm not going to get into the whole thing, but to sum it up, Kurt Wimmer went to art school. And he got sure. really mad because everybody there had said that they were an artist and they could make art. And he was like, nuh-uh, only <laughs> famous people from history books make art. And after you do it good enough, people call you an artist. And then Wait. everybody, that's what he believed. Is that what he still believes? Guys, no, no, let me this tell you something a, about movie. art school. Every single person that goes to art school is that self-important. And they are yeah. trained to think Stupid shit like that because there's an entire ecosystem of ideas that clash where they're like, oh, everything is art. You could put a snow shovel up against the wall and that's art versus someone who's like, no, no, no. Art has to be accepted by the masses as art and have years and years. So that is uh, it shows that he's kind of weak willed that he got out of art school still thinking shit like that because. Yeah, but I'm, I'm saying I've heard that. Almost word for word, ten different times. Going, he talks imagine? about how he how he had an open contempt for art for years after that because uh, <laughs> huh. because these these artists called themselves artists Those and they didn't assholes. wait for history to do it. But then he started writing the Thomas Crown Affair, right. and to do that, he had to visit a lot of museums for research and stuff. And he, mm-hmm. his exact quote is, "I went to a lot of museums and I was just blown away by how good some of the stuff in there was." <laughs> That what day is got, this guy's life? That day he's got just, can really paint. Have, have you seen Kurt Wimmer? <laughs> you should see yeah. him. He looks like a guy that would say this. He was born in Hawaii. He's just this utter... He's a himbo. He's just a beautiful idiot. And he means so right. well. And this oh my was, God, I'm looking at a picture. He means wow. so well. And like these are the deep thoughts that guy would have. And so he made this movie to be like... To try to tell the world... Everybody can like art. Did you know that? <laughs> Did you know that everybody, even you, could Whoa. like you could go to a museum and look at art? Man, even I hate me? to like it so he's just a white guy with money, right? That's what I'm seeing. Yeah, here. he's he's a like he's this a is, beautiful this white is, idiot he, with money from Hawaii. Yeah, he, he, he white guyed his way to the top because <laughs> he he hasn't had to think 
like critically a day in his life and he's made several movies here. Well, why would he think critically? He, uh, no. After after the critics tore apart this movie, because of course they tore apart this movie. Yeah he, yeah. he responded in an interview, why would I make a movie for someone I wouldn't want to hang out with? Have you ever met a <laughs> right. critic you wanted to party That's with? Fair. I haven't met a critic I wanted to party with. So this guy fair is... Uh, I'm looking at the things he's written. He also wrote Salt... He also wrote the Total Recall and Point Break remakes. Oh, so a lot of things are are coming together here of like, you ever find a writer like this and then you're like, oh, this is what's wrong with Hollywood. (laughs) It's like, it's like six people. You can like boil it down. Yeah. yeah. This guy's a real, and then of course he wrote and directed Ultraviolet. Uh, Another one of my favorites. Movie. Oh God, it's so it's oh, so. No. No, no, there's no earnest goodness. I believe yeah. there is earnest goodness in Equilibrium because it's because it's this beautiful idiot having what he thinks yeah. is his one good idea, and <laughs> yeah. he's very earnestly trying to communicate that to you. That like art is okay, art yeah. is all right, and right. That, that's what this movie with gun kata and shooting and everything was about. Was that art's all right, dude? There's some good the moral stuff. Is in museums. Don't destroy There's paintings. Some good stuff. Enjoy paintings. And go right. fight like a like, dumb yeah. asshole. <laughs> I like that he got to make a movie about the one important realization he had in his life, and it just I don't know, it warms it my heart just, every art time. Art is I think good. About it. Yeah, just him going to a museum and being like, wow, these painters can There's, really they uh, got, have you seen uh, museums? They got some good stuff yeah. in there. <laughs> yeah. I've been meaning to check it out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let, let me close oh, this out with uh, this is an old interview so clearly it has not come to pass but the IGN asked him uh, what's one project you've always wanted to do but just aren't able to and he said I have a prohibitively big budgeted film about dolphins I'd like to do one day Ooh, I'd like him to do that too I want that movie so badly Yeah, I don't yeah. know what it is I I mean, it would just be CG, right? Or does he he need to train the dolphins? It has to be live action dolphins. Prohibitively big budget film about dolphins. It must be. He just needs to kill a lot of dolphins, I imagine. (laughs) A lot of those are expensive permits. Like horses horses back in cowboy movies. Just going to have like a truck to haul them away. (laughs) One final thing about this movie, or one more thing is this is a Christian Bale film. Uh And like, I always forget this about Christian Bale. Have you noticed that he has range just in playing sociopaths? Like he can sure. play like six different types of sociopaths of emotionless characters. I mean, it's point. generally what he plays is very serious people. Uh, but this is yet another, like he's, he's supposed to have no emotions uh, and it's right in the sweet spot. It's after American psycho, right? Uh, but it's before Batman. Where he's just sort yeah. of like, he's doing shit like this in Reign of Fire. Uh, God, Reign of Fire. Yeah. None of us picked Reign of Fire? Oh, shit. I should have brought Reign well, of Fire. Well, that's a good movie, you guys. That's <laughs> yeah. just a good movie. <laughs> that's an entire we, movie based around a dumb idea. I guess that's a lot like Equilibrium in that way where someone's like, mm-hmm. what if you were skydiving and had to fight a dragon? They're like, all right, I think I can make, yeah. I think I can create an entire world with that one stupid thing you just said makes sense. Yeah. And they didn't. They didn't quite get there, but but that's what they tried. Mm-hmm. Uh, David, have you seen the movie I brought? Do you know what movie I'm bringing? Tracks. Yeah. Have you watched Tracks? 
I watched it today for oh. the first time. So tell me your first impressions of tracks. Um, well, motherfucker looks like Buffalo Bill. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I, uh, he's the, the, the first scene really, uh, you know, it really grabs you. The, the, <laughs> this is the, this is, I assume, um, eighties, mid eighties, I'm guessing. Uh, uh, when like, it's like that real Reagan shit and like real, like, right. It, it, this is, this is, um, death wish, but, uh, apparently not racist because they like make a note that he's multi, he's killing like every, every race. I guess. Uh, but if, you kill, that, if you kill one from every race specifically, that is the definition yeah. of not racist. Yeah. It's true. And you get a free uh, milkshake. But they immediately they immediately establish that it's a taking scum off the streets, guns are great movie by right. the first scene where he skateboards uh, into a building uh-huh. into a pet shop. Into a uh, uh, yeah, that sounds right. Where uh, a man with me- struggling with mental health issues uh, puts down his gun and he hands him his gun back so he can kill him. Yep. Uh, and the guy commits suicide by tracks. Suicide uh, by tracks. Suicide by tracks. Who's not suicide a suicide by tracks? He's a, an ex-cop, according to the box, but it doesn't really make that clear in the movie. In the, in the movie, he he's looks a town like he's, tamer, right? Yeah. He's if a you town got, tamer. if you, I know <laughs> if you a got a problem, you, if you got some problems with some maniacs, right? You send them to tracks. Yeah. If you got problems yeah. with maniacs, call tracks. Yeah. So, uh, let me read the, the back of the box maniac. here. It says, "Tracks is a mercenary ex-cop who knows nothing about the law." but everything about justice. He's tried El Salvador, Lebanon, Afghanistan, but something keeps drawing him home. The smell of fresh-baked cookies. Trax dreams of starting his own cookie business, but faces two problems. He can't raise the money, and he's the world's worst cookie baker. To raise the cash, he returns to the one thing he does know about, gang-busting for fun and profit. Taking on Capone clone Aldo Pellucci almost single-handedly demolishing an empire built on drug running, murder, and prostitution. The cookies, on the other hand, aren't going so well. Oh. So this, it's this, a vehicle for Shadow Stevens. Yeah. The scene where he makes the cookies, it looks like fucking Silent Hill. Yeah. Like it's, I've never seen, like he lights the kitchen on fire. Yeah, it's just completely covered in like glob. Yeah. And then it, it's he moves to the woods, and the movie I don't think makes it clear why, but I think he's like in hiding from the bad. He doesn't want the bad guys to know where he is. Uh, it's right. like his like camping base, and so he continues making cookies like over an open fire, which doesn't help. And and they're like antifreeze and like dog poop cookies, like they're, they're these like really normal headed joke cookies. Like what's in this one? Chili and fish. <laughs> And, All right, right. But he's also, um, I guess the tone is very strange in this movie because he's a very carefree man, but he, he murders many, many people for, for almost nothing. He's and, a serial killer. Yeah, and he's also got like a sadist streak. So he it seems like he'll give his cookie to someone and be like, eat the cookie, knowing, or like communicating very clearly that if you don't eat this cookie, I will fucking kill you. And uh, there's also no act two, like... He's never in any trouble. Like it's just he's an invincible guy. Nothing bothers him. Bullets can't hit him. Uh, yeah. And then he just kind of kills everybody. And that's that's the his character. Arc, yeah. Is that like it, um, was, it was supposed to be a parody, but I don't think they told anybody like when they started <laughs> filming. Right. This is a parody. So they played everybody played it and shot it like it was supposed to be straight. But it's written clearly as a parody. 
Maybe and it's the it, weirdest goddamn vibe. It's like <laughs> it's like a maniac has memorized a list of extremely good jokes and has no yes. idea what makes them funny. It, it and is just reading me... to the them to you with like a knife at your throat. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of a Hulk Hogan movie where like mm-hmm. since Hulk has to be like cool in every scene, then there's no like third act. Right. There's no like nothing there's nothing at stake. Because he handles everything that happens. Right. Uh, just like that. reality. Like the Hulkster, yeah, like is, he speaks French. He's, I just, yeah. yeah. You just watch yeah. No Holds Barred. He can, no, well, uh, I was going to... S- he can identify Dookie. Oh, yeah. He can identify Dookie. Have you watched Santa with Muscles? Oh, it's been a long time, but yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That and No Holds Barred, man. That's, that's fucking dream there's team right Mr. there. Mr. Nanny, Suburban say, Commando. I, yeah. He's, there's a lot I of I also Hulkster watched... The T- Timothy Olfant, uh, uh Hitman movie, and it has the same problem as Tracks, where it's just a series of scenes, right? Uh, where he just kills people. Yeah, he's never and in it, any trouble. It's it's pornography, right? Like it's it's we just have him kill street scum. Yeah, uh, and the other thing about Tracks is he'll like he'll go into a a, a bar and just be like, "Hey, everybody, uh, get out of here, or I'll kill you. If you're here tomorrow, I'll yep. kill you." And like. They're just fucking having a nice night. Like a bar is a legal business, Travis. Yeah. yeah. What do you no think one, you're protecting? No one's doing anything illegal. There. They seem well, sad. I mean, they're dirtbags. Don't get me wrong. They're they're not it, great people, but death penalty seems a bit much. The movie starts with him going to like the chief of police and being like, "I'm going to go on a killing spree yeah. and then charge you money yeah. Ten, for it. Ten thousand dollars a week. Yeah. To be so a town I can. Tamer. So I could fund my cookie business. Yeah. Like he is, he should, they should arrest him right there. <laughs> Cause he's literally saying, I'm going to go out into the street and kill people for money. Yep. Unless you, yeah, it, he might as well say, unless you pay me right. the money, it's the same threat. And I don't know. I feel like they could at least do a, hold him for a little while. <laughs> the, uh, the love oh. interest in this film is Priscilla Barnes. And Shadow Stevens yeah. is very like passably handsome in a I guess like your grandmother would think he's handsome. Like uh I think in this like movie a, he's, he's probably like in his thirties, but it's a yeah. good looking piece of wood. Like sure. in, in the yeah. way that a woodworker appreciates a piece of wood, that's how he's handsome. Right. Not like a super desirable man, I would say, but like handsome. And so Priscilla Barnes and him have zero chemistry. And she, more than any other actor in the movie, seems to have no idea what they're going for. So I think she's trying to be funny, but that's not her comfort zone. And uh, God, I don't even know how to describe their sex scenes where she's like kind of moaning and screaming and seems troubled by it. And uh, I remember I met her at Comic-Con and I was very excited to talk to her because uh, I love tracks. And yeah. she fucking pretended she'd never heard of it. <laughs> <laughs> did she have any, did she have any choice? What, is, what can she say? I just, like I, I don't know what the so fuck funny. was going on with that movie. Yeah, she's, she's just Can like, you what? explain that movie to me? <laughs> what are you talking about? I mean, that is the correct response, right? If someone approaches her and starts talking about uh, tracks, like I would, I would pretend to not speak English or yeah, something. Do you want yeah, to meet try fans to end that. of tracks? You don't want to talk to fans of tracks. That's us. Yeah, <laughs> that's us. So when um she saw me in the backseat of her car later that night, uh, and mm-hmm. she was not happy about it, <laughs> but she did eventually admit that she was in tracks. Right. And then yes. the card catalog exploded. Yeah. Her glove box just started shooting out files. 
What? That's what happens in the sex scene. Oh, that's right. <laughs> when, yeah. when he penetrates her, all of the card catalogs in the library start right. shooting up cards. Yeah, it's because like that's about, maniac logic. It's yes. so insane. About two thirds into the movie, it just kind of turns into a cartoon, but not like an American cartoon. Just like it, like things are happening. And I'll give you a good example. When Robert Davi uh, shows up and he threatens to kill him and Trax doesn't care because nothing can kill Trax. And he gives him a cookie and Robert Davi's like, what's in this cookie? And Trax is like, chili con carne and, you know, um, Velveeta or whatever the fuck. And he's like, huh, whatever. And he takes a little nibble. And then later the car explodes. And there's this yeah. moment when you're watching it with people that because a lot of people just don't fucking understand what happens. But I'm 80% sure that he just farted in the car and the chili cookies cause such impossible farts that it explodes the entire car. Probably. and But yeah, you 100%. saw that. And- That's what happened. He lights a cigar. It goes off. He dies Maybe. to a fart. They And they, there's no showdown. There's no anything. Like the bad guy just shows up at the campsite. He's like, hey, you want to <laughs> hang out? They're like, no, get out of here. And then he Here's farts a- himself to death in a car. Right. Like, wait, that was the main bad guy? That's the end of the movie? That's it? Yeah. That was it. And then a uh, famous Amos shows Tracks. up. And uh, does not like Trax's cookies. The, the, his character arc is not that he learns how to make cookies. It's that everyone is so appreciative of him murdering everyone in the town that they just sort of tolerate his cookies and pretend and, to enjoy them. Uh, and the thing is, is that it's not that he's bad at making cookies. It's that he's decided that he is not going to make cookies the way people like making cookies. I mean, it's a combination right, of He's both. making them out of spite. It's like, it's like being like, I want to be, I want to draw portraits for a living. And someone's like, yeah, but every portrait you draw is just a dick. You go, you go to draw their face and then you draw a dick and they're like, well, I don't care. And this is the career I want. Like he's not trying. He's, he's purposefully sabotaging his cookie career. That's until people are just so scared of him that they're like yeah the cookies are great man uh-huh. yeah i mean like anybody can call themselves an artist that's not how that works exactly that's not history how that has works. to tell you you're an artist <laughs> yes but tra- you gotta be in a the museum yeah tracks is one of those movies when when you show it to someone for the first time that they just can't believe they never saw it it's, it's so entertaining um in a strange way like it's sort of like an army of darkness where like the there's sort of never a moment that isn't entertaining or silly or weird but um, but with a character with no flaws and a script with mm. many flaws. And so you're just constantly enjoying something they were trying to do and something they totally fucked up and, while just being just marveling at the choices they made. And um, anyway, wall to wall entertainment. We recently showed this in our, our discord and you could like see people's lives being changed as they're as they're talking about it. It's it's become very like legendary in the 100 hot dog community. We, we talk about it a lot. Uh, and for good reason. It's just they have started a a rolling storm of tracks where just somebody <laughs> new will come in and be like, "What's tracks?" And then they'll make them watch it, right? And then they'll be just like, "What the fuck?" And somebody will be like, "What the fuck? What?" And they'll be like, "I just watched tracks. What's tracks?" And then somebody else has to watch it. Yep. Yeah. It's changing lives. It's and out there. It's I got just don't understand how there's still people alive that haven't seen tracks. There's people listening right now who probably haven't seen tracks, and I just just find it. it's it's got to be like on Vimeo. It's probably on YouTube. Just Google for tracks. It is on YouTube. Uh, I don't think anybody gives a shit about the copyright to enforce it. Right. So. Tracks with two X's. Yeah. Go watch tracks. Um, I'm looking at the screenwriter of this. Yeah, he did Uh, uh, Red Dawn and uh, 
Running scared. I I there. I'm seeing him credited for Time Cop. That's not no, right. No, that's right? not right. There, uh, he's right here with Time I Cop. His see that? I could see that. That can't be. It doesn't make any sense though. Well, last uh, I on checked, he did IMDb write Time Cop. His, but okay, given the nature on his of Wikipedia, Time Cop, Wikipedia, his Wikipedia, they have him for fucking Time Cop. Uh, they also what's have the date on that? Is it pa- is it twenty thirty eight? Was the change made uh, on 2038? I don't know. It's, no, it's, it seems like, I don't know. His Wikipedia is also saying that he was uh, killed and they haven't solved his murder. Holy shit. <laughs> and at least one well, person that says that. it's the result of a government conspiracy. Oh. I, I'm wow. sorry to bring down the podcast, no, I think but just, I don't Gary DeVore, uh, writer of... I don't. I don't know what. Yeah, his body was discovered July 9th. Hey, that's my birthday. Uh, in the <laughs> oh Mojave Desert Canal, having disappeared a sitting. year earlier. Circumstances of his death are still under investigation. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, he tracks his own Wikipedia page. He this tracks is not his own incredible death. discovery. I'm so glad this is happening in real time. Yeah, we, it's we a have big to mystery. You realize to complete this arc, we have to solve this murder. I'm 100 uh-huh. percent gonna solve this murder. That's yeah, what our it, site is now. Wow, this is Amateur wild. Detectives. Um, Holy shit! Jesus, he was found. Yeah, he was found in a fucking aqueduct deck, dead. Uh, his gun was missing. Uh, and the way the car was there, they couldn't. He they determined he couldn't have crashed, hmm. and they determined that it must have been a homicide. My God, was there any fart residue in tracks. the car? I don't. Not seeing any fart residue, at least not in this hmm. Wikipedia. Um, and I think that's where the apparently he also must have been one of the writers of Die Hard or of Time Cop. I don't uh, that's the least believable part of this whole thing. <laughs> Cuz I could have sworn Time Cop had a very uh sp- specific group uh, or specific writer. Uh, well, that is how you would kill somebody if they misbehaved in the past. Yeah. You, you would, would make it time exactly cop like that and then you would erase them from the Time Cop credits page. Yeah, that's Holy true. Holy shit. Solved it. I really, I, think, uh, I look forward to this being uh, what we do on the podcast now is a, a, our true crime series on the murder of the tracks writer. One yeah. hundred hot dog. <laughs> Solving murder. You murders. guys are get on this. Solve this murder. Detective agency. Oh, yeah. you, got, you know what it is? It's one nine hundred hot dog nights. Oh, that's mm. fucking good. Tune in next week for one nine hundred hot dog nights. Einstein Hunter Frankfurt. Einstein Hunter Frankfurt. Unser Podcast Knaut und mit maximalem Schau. Doc Frankfurt Podcast. Correct. Yeah. Der Kraft ist nicht Kraft ist nicht ohne. Schickt ihn in die Hundesau für eine Stunde. Komm schon, du kennst die Nummer. Ja!
This DogZone 9000 was made possible by contributions from Hot Dog Supremes like Benjamin Siran, Dr. Awkward, Yosari, Josh S., Zachary Evans, Adrian Hisbrook, Aiden Moat, Brianne Whitney, Josh Fabian, Armando Nava, Lyman, Toasty God, Neil Schaefer, Doug Redmond, Jaber Al Aiden, David Forna, Mike Stiles, Eric Spaulding, the artist formerly known as Devin, Hawk, Neil Bailey, Micah Phillips, Yanis Ionitis, Holly Poisewell, John McCammon, Nick H, Matt Riley, Rhea, Rich Joslin, Ken Paisley, Timmy Leahy, Dean Costello, Three Finger Louie, Nick Ralston, Zadarfan, Jamie Gordon, John, and Jeremy Neath.